Hey, Boo Crew. Producer Malin here. We're still working on our audio, but I promise we'll be good to go soon. Here's the episode. Need a pep talk? Come hang with us weekly while we serve up realness with a side of sass and help you learn to love yourself in every shape, size, and season. I'm Becca. And I'm AMQ. And this is... I got you, boo. Hello, hello. Hi. Oh my gosh. Well, lovely internet has connected us all in yet again another amazing way. We are so excited to bring you yet another guest, powerhouse human, our good friend Katie Helm. Everyone give cheers. (laughs) Enter the cheers. (laughs) What is AMQ? Go ahead. What do you call it? The claps and snaps. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. So we are going to be talking to you about all things confidence, self-care. We're covering all the bases today. And just, again, we say all the time that there's so much power in everyone sharing their stories. So we're excited to hear from you today, Katie. And... Get started. Yes. Oh, I'm so, so excited to be here with you guys. I've been, I was so sad to have to reschedule from last week, um, but I'm so thrilled to be here. I'm thrilled to have you guys, to have let you have you let me be here. So thank you for having me. How cool is it? I think it's really actually important to note this because I think it's cool, but we met Katie. So, you know, air quotes met virtually, obviously, duh, in this, in this life that we're living. We met Katie because Becca and I, I guess it would have been like already almost a few months back now, a couple months back, we attended the BODCON. I can't speak more highly of the BODCON. It was way better than anything I could have expected. And I had some pretty high expectations. The really cool thing is, Obviously, all three of us are going to be speaking at BODCON, so there's that. Really? But obviously, <laughs> like totally on the list. But we had this, uh, I know Becca already knows this and was not surprised by this, but we had like an area called the networking lounge. And there were little rooms during BODCON where you could break off and connect with other attendees. And in one of my rooms, Katie was there. And we talked a little bit, like everybody was like, this is what I do. This is what I'm about. This is, you know, how I serve my community. And then I, being me, obviously, made a group chat of all of the people in my networking lounge room because I was like, I want to stay in touch with these humans. They're awesome. And then from there, Becca and I were like, this girl's legit. Like, we need to have her (laughs) on our pod. And that's how she's here. And I think that mentioning that is so important because Once again, it is the power in making sure you hang out in spaces that are packed with the humans who you align with, right? Putting yourself in a situation like attending BODCON and then networking with the people who are there. So we're super, super happy to have you and super, super happy to know you. And I'm just glad that we went to BODCON, got to meet you as a result. Yeah, no, I was thinking the same thing. I was like, man, this is so cool. I was just thrilled. I was floating. I came floating out if I quarantined myself in the bedroom. And I told my boyfriend and my son, I was like, don't interrupt me. <laughs> I'm in here having a fabulous time and had my, had like a little mini bar set up. I had like some champagne. I was just enjoying the hell out of myself while with this conference. It was so wonderful. And then I was just blown away with the networking lounge and, um, met some really great people. And I was just, I was thoroughly impressed as well. I just thought it was amazing. Um, so well put together, so well curated and yeah, absolutely a goal at this point where I'm like, yes, I will be on that list at some point to speak. (laughs) Heck yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I don't know if you've seen, I, they have announced they're doing something else now. Yeah. I haven't announced what it is, but I saw that and I was like, Tell me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tell me or tell me who to contact so that yeah. we can also be there. Yeah. You, yeah. Or <laughs> just yes. DM them and be like, what would you like us to wear to speak? Just right. Like, yeah. Do you need a blood just... sample? Can I give that to you? What do I? Is there a color scheme? Are we going with the purple and, and peach? <laughs> yes. I can, I'm here for it. What are we doing? Whatever. If I can, I whatever I need to do. <laughs> yes. That's amazing. I, I thought it was amazing as well. I loved it. That's such a good self-care setup, a little mini bar and love a good boundary setting moment where you're like, no one bother me. 
Yeah, I locked my door. I was like, don't even try. Just don't even try. The door's locked. Oh, you locked it. Oh, yeah, I did. <laughs> I didn't want the dogs in there. I didn't want anybody in there. I was like, I'll let, I'll grace you with my presence when I'm ready for like meals and snacks. I had a few snacks, but I had the important stuff. <laughs> That's perfect. That's perfect. You walk out of the room and you're like, pee break, like hand yeah. out, like don't speak to me. Yeah, pretty much. There was just like this bubble around me that it was like you bounced off of it if you tried to come talk to me. <laughs> perfect. That's the way it should be, right? Yeah, that's perfect. Love. Well, we would love to hear just your story in general to let our listeners know a little bit more about you and how you got here, whatever you want to share. We are all ears to soak up your story. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it all kind of started for me a few years ago. I'm 35 going, I turn 36 next month. Um, and I'll be doing, I, I really love to celebrate my birthday for a whole month as you should be celebrating your birthday for the whole month. It's my birthday month. Thank you. Um, <laughs> but it all started for me a few years ago. Um, so in kind of my late twenties, early thirties, things finally had, um, kind of accumulated enough for me and started rising to a head where I finally got to a place where I was ready to start dealing with the trauma that I had experienced as a child with my mother passed away when I was three from breast cancer. And then I also dealt with some childhood sexual abuse. And so I learned at a really young age to block out my emotions. I, um, was the queen of not being like, I just, I just didn't deal with them. Everything was always just like, like I would experience it. And then it was just kind of pushed off to the side. Um, because I, I just couldn't process emotion the way I never really learned it since at an early age, I dealt with these really difficult things that you don't have the capacity to deal with. And I, I was, um, I did some therapy for, uh, the trauma. Cause I was three. My sister was a baby. She wasn't even a year old when it happened. So she doesn't have any memories or anything, still a traumatic experience for her, but just a little different since I was a little bit older. And so I did do some therapy for that as a child, just to kind of work through that. And, but no one knew about, I did not share with anyone the sexual abuse that I was experiencing. And I actually just told my dad about it I got 35, I guess like four or five years ago now, uh, for the first time at, at the age of, you know, 30, 31. And he had no idea, which I knew he didn't. I, he had no idea. I didn't share with anyone. So it, all of this time I had just, I had put all of this effort and energy into learning how to really well to avoid my emotions and to not process them, to not deal with them and to not deal with these issues that were causing that were causing that and in turn it just made me a really insecure person i was extremely insecure insecure in who i was i didn't really know who i was i kind of mimicked others you know what i thought others wanted me to be i do love to be funny i love to make others laugh so i put a lot of energy into that and just kind of reading the room and like what did this crowd think, what did I think they wanted from me? So I just kind of felt like I didn't have this real identity for myself. And that all in turn led to the way that I decided to cope with that. The way that my mind and body decided to cope with that was creating this really toxic relationship with my mind and my body and with food. And I used food as my external coping mechanism to try to give me something which food cannot give you. Uh, nor can any external coping mechanism give you, but that's how I learned to deal with things. It didn't really get, I say, quote unquote, out of hand until I really hit my twenties. Like it, it had started as disordered eating with, I was never eating enough. I was over exercising constantly hours in the gym every day. I'm 5'10". Um, and so I'm, and I'm already, I'm a muscular person. Like I'm not one of the 5'10" really just naturally that's their body type is just tall and thin. Like I was tall and would definitely have considered myself thin then, but also just muscular. Like I have these thick thighs and that's just my body type, but I was extremely thin. I was not eating enough. I was spending hours in the gym. I looked, I felt like I looked great. My family was telling me that you look too skinny. You don't look good. You don't look healthy, but it was rooted in like my identity was in that was in 
staying on top of my physical form and in over-exercising and not eating enough. And then in my 20s, it started swinging the other way um, where I started allowing myself to eat more and it just opened, it felt like this floodgate of now I can't stop. And because I had, and, and I, I love to be physically active. It's just, it's part of who I am. I grew up playing sports, softball and volleyball, and I just adore it. I love being physically active, but because I had been in a place where I was abusing that um, relationship with my body, where I was over-exercising constantly, it swung also the other direction where I didn't want anything to do with it anymore. I didn't want to move my body in really any way, shape or form. Like I just wanted nothing to do with exercise. And then I started eating all the time. Um, so it, that led me to gain about a hundred pounds and throughout my twenties. Um, and really rather quickly, I gained a lot of that weight of be like 50 pounds in a chunk in a year. And then like another 50 pounds, it was just, it was really crazy um, and insane. And then I kind of plateaued there, but stayed in this really unhealthy relationship with, um, you know, not wanting to really exercise, not wanting to move my body, always wanting to consume food with in any way, shape or form, just that made me feel better. It's how I wanted to cope with things. Um, and then all the while running this really toxic soundtrack in my mind of, that just incessant diet culture of, um, because I was in this, I had restricted for so long. And then I now am in this constant state of, well, it's always, I always, always thinking, well, I'll start Monday. It'll be my last, this is going to be my last big meal, or I'm just going to the whole week, I'm just going to go all out and eat as much as I can, whatever I want all the time, because Monday it starts mm -hmm. and I'm going to, but then when Monday would roll around and, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I couldn't go back to the restricting. And so then every week was, okay, well, next week, then next Monday. And then every week was just this all out. I'm going to eat as much as I can, you know, just complete binging. So I had developed disordered eating, um, from restricting and never eating enough to now, um, binging constantly. I was, I never was able to get myself out of the binge cycle, because of the restrictive cycle and because of the restrictive thoughts that I was having as I was eating. So the restriction never actually stopped, even though I was not in a physically restrictive, I was not physically restricting myself from eating. I was mentally restricting myself and telling myself I'm bad. This isn't, oh my gosh. You know, we say, we are always joking like, oh my God, I'm so bad. I'm going to have this cupcake or I'm so bad. I'm going to, and it's, we say it in like, it's funny but it's not funny. <laughs> you know, it's, um, it's, it's really, that is so ingrained in us. And we, we have this culture where we've assigned moral value to our bodies and to what we eat. And we're so, so rooted in our, in aesthetics in this culture and which, you know, is so hard to deal with, with for somebody that's not in a, culture, ideal, quote unquote, ideal body. Um, I don't believe there is an ideal body, but obviously our, you know, we have dealt with for so long that women are portrayed a certain way. And that is what we should always be striving for. And if we're not either striving for it, or we haven't gotten there, or I mean, have, most of us will never get there because it's an unrealistic ideal or standard. Or if you did get there, it's because you were quite literally probably killing yourself to get there, doing all kinds of unhealthy things to make that happen. So it all kind of started coming to a head for me in my late twenties, my early thirties. And I was, I had just, I was exhausted. I was exhausted from all of it, from feeling like I just, I, I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what I wanted. Like I knew I wanted more. I knew I was capable of more, but I, I didn't know how to get there. Like I just couldn't figure it out. So I, I ventured into therapy. I, I, um, actually I used an, an app called Talkspace that I loved. I think it's phenomenal. You know, therapy gets such a bad rap. Like it's one of those taboo topics still. I think it's becoming less and less so, which I think is fantastic, but it still gets kind of like a taboo, like, Ooh, let's not talk about mental health or issues that we had to get a therapist to help us work through. Like, I don't know why that's a, <laughs> why <laughs> so, we so weird to me, but but I did, I finally was ready to kind of start doing some of that work and diving in. So 
you know, you got to open up some old wounds. It was painful for a while, but I worked with my therapist for about two years and loved her. We had a fantastic relationship and she helped me work through so much. But once I kind of got to what, what I felt like was the end of that road for me personally, um, I felt like I needed something else to bridge that gap of moving from therapy into what I could maybe apply in my daily life. And I just wasn't, I wasn't getting that. I felt like from therapy, not that therapy can't give that to some or to others or whatever, but for me, I felt like I was missing something. So I kind of ended my relationship with her. I kind of felt, you know, we, we leave that door open. If I ever need to go back, I a hundred percent go back to her, you know, just like, Hey, I'm having this rough time right here. I feel like I'm slipping back into this old mentality, this old, these old habits, you know, help me work through this. But, um, so I kind of ended that relationship and then And then I had another huge, at the time that I was kind of ending that and felt like I had kind of hit that, what I was going to get from it. I had some other bombs just kind of explode in my life. I was diagnosed with um, BRAC1, which is the cancer gene. So it's B-R-A-C, B-R-C-A-1. And there's one and two. And that for me means that you have a genetic mutation that you are then like 87% have an 87% chance of developing, developing cancer at some point in your life. It doesn't necessarily mean you're going to have cancer right then or that you're developing it then. Um, but that for me, coupled with my strong family history of my mother passing away when she was 36, she was diagnosed at 34. And then a year and a half later, she was gone. Her mother also died. My grandmother died of the same strain, but of ovarian cancer. And it happened for her at a, for ovarian cancer at a young age as well. It was in her uh, early 50s. So my sister and I both came up positive for this. At the same time, we took the genetic test, got the news for that. And then a few months later, I went through a divorce. And we have a son together, and he was four at the time. So all of this is happening, and my emotional state is just like, <laughs> Oh, my gosh. It was, it was absolutely an insane time. So I started looking for, like, I knew I was, I felt like I was still searching for something that was going to kind of take therapies, not take its place, but kind of move me, give me the next modality that I was going to use to get myself to wherever I was going next. Like, I just, I didn't know what I was looking for or what I wanted, but I just knew, I just felt like there was something else. And so I had had this old Instagram account, which is the one I currently use. And I renamed it to chapter unknown. Now it's the chapter unknown because it felt to me just like, you know, we, you hear the saying of like, Oh, I'm in this chapter of my life or, you know, and I felt for so long, like I just was in this unknown chapter. Like I just didn't get where I was. I didn't get where it was going. And so I just, and I kind of love the beauty of that where it's, you know, you, you close these chapters and then you go on to the next one. And each one is builds on the last, no matter how difficult or fun or easy, like whatever, no matter what it was, you know, it brought me, brought you anyone to where you are now. So it's, you know, I, so that's why I named it that. And then I started just kind of searching and looking around and I found, um, and I started finding life coaching and had no idea that was actually like a real thing. I was surprised. I was shocked that it was so, um, like in the online world that it's, I feel like, well, I, especially, I think I was seeking it out. So I was seeing it all over the place. I didn't know that it was a real thing. I didn't know that it was something that you could have that you could also do. And then in turn, I found, um, thought work and I started kind of latching on to, I found Brooke Castillo's podcast, the life coach school, I found Carl Lowenthal's podcast, Unfuck Your Brain, which is phenomenal. They're both phenomenal. I love her. Yeah, she's, yeah, she did her life coaching certification through Brooke Castillo. Um, So they're both just phenomenal. So I started listening to those and it kind of opened up. And then through there, just started finding all, all of these things. And, and it didn't start out for me as like an entrepreneurial journey. It was my own personal development journey that I wanted to keep moving forward with and, as I, as I did that and went through that journey, I realized, and I've always had a bit of an entrepreneurial spirit. Like I've always, you know, for a while I had other smaller businesses before I was doing antiques and things and, um, I love to decorate and design. And so I was kind of doing that, but it kind of fizzled out. It wasn't something I felt like I could sustain, um, you know, 
for a, for an extended period of time. It wasn't like a passion that I was like, oh, this is going to stand the test of time. It wasn't going to work for me. Um, and then when I had kind of done this, started going through this journey, like I just, I couldn't get enough. I was consuming podcasts and books and I mean, just in rabbit holes on Instagram, finding every single person that I could that had anything to do with this life coaching and thought work. And, and then, in, and then it went into, um, the focus, I focused more on body image and body positivity and that whole movement. And in the beginning, body positivity really confused me. I felt like I didn't fit into it, um, because I didn't feel positive about my body. And I, and, and like so many in the very beginning, you know, even though, I am a a fat person. I didn't want, I was ashamed of that. I didn't want to call myself a fat person because there's that, that negative, you know, connotation rooted in that word that we use it as an insult or something that we shouldn't be in our society. And so I, I was ashamed of that and didn't want to call myself that. So I didn't feel positive about my body and I didn't. And I also felt like, well, so body positivity is you feeling positive about being fat or unhealthy? Like what? I don't really get it. You know, I, I, which I think so many men and women, uh, I think the majority of women and I work with women, but men experience it as well, of course, um, that that's what you, I think maybe first think, because that's what diet culture has ingrained in us. Right. That, yeah, that, it's totally a confusing concept, right? Yeah. I feel like everyone, I'm still confused. Yeah. Body positivity. You just learn new, I just learn new things about it constantly. So as I ventured into that further and deeper and deeper, and then I just found myself so passionate about it. And I hired my first business coach, uh, Shantae Lorraine, who's phenomenal. Love, love, love her to death. Um, and we worked together for a year at well for like six, for six months. So that took me through and it kind of just opened up this whole, like, what? Like I, I just, I was, I didn't know exactly what I was even going to do for my business. I didn't know what that was going to look like for me. I was like, am I going to be a life coach? Am I going to be a, like, what am I, you know, because it's, there's infinite possibilities, especially in the online space. You can be, you can do whatever <laughs> you want to do. You can make your title, um, you know, whatever you're going to do. And at first I wasn't going to go the certification route, but as I continued to do the work, me personally, I just decided that I did what I have a certification. So I'm uh, currently wrapping that up and finishing my life coaching certification, but that's kind of where it, t- it all took me to where I'm at now, which is just, I so desperately have a need for in my, within my being, I have this desperate need and want to not let any other woman feel the way that I felt and deal with what I was dealing with without feeling like you had an option, without feeling like you had something to cling on to, some hope of getting out of where you were, because I was in such a dark place for a long time and felt like that was just going to be my life, that it was never going to change. It wasn't going to be any different, that I just had to learn, like, this is just how I have to deal with things. And this is just my life. Like it'll be exhausting (laughs) and I'll be unhappy, but I, I couldn't find a way out. I didn't know there was a way out and, and therapy opened that door for me. And then I moved into the thought work arena, which is where I like to specialize in. So I'm a mindset thought work coach, um, because it's truly where everything starts is everything starts in your brain and how we think about things. And that when I discovered that, that your thoughts that you create your thoughts and your thoughts are what create your feelings. I was bored. Like I had no idea. I thought it was the other way around that you have these feelings. And then because of the feelings you're having that you have, that you create these thoughts from these feelings and it's not, it's, it's the opposite. And, um, so just, and the, it just exploded. I was just floored. I thought it was amazing. And I wanted to use that, um, specific pathway, that train of thought to, help others to help other women in their journeys and to get to a place because I knew that I wanted to be in a place where I was happy, but I didn't know how to get there. And especially in a place where, you know, you have to get to a place where you can be happy as you are in the moment, not when, not waiting to get to a goal that you want to achieve. Like, you know, we love to base our happiness off of like, well, I'll be happy when I get to X, Y, Z. 
And whether that be a weight loss goal or whether that be a, I want to run a marathon or I want to get a promotion or I want to, whatever your goal is, um, that we like to stave off our happiness until we reach this goal and it's insanity. And it's also an ever changing thing because as we, as so many of us know, even if you reach that goal, you know, if, and when you do, that doesn't necessarily bring you happiness. And the goal might be changing. You're like, well, I ran a marathon. Now I want to run two and I won't be happy until I run my second marathon. Well, I, I lost 20 pounds, but I'm still not really that happy. Like really now it's what my body looks like at 20 pounds and I want to lose 30 pounds now. Like I, now I want to get to that. I won't be happy until I get there. So it's just always, it's always changing. And so in order to, to find that happiness and be happy with what you have, that's just, you know, it's a whole process and a whole thought it's thought work ultimately. So that's, that's really what brought me to where I'm at today. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. What a beautiful and powerful story. And it is so empowering to hear that. I love how you speak about, um, when you felt that moment of like the doors opening up and like, it was literally an explosion for your life. And that's kind of, you know, when you just go for it and you just trust it, thought work, I love how you speak on that because you explain it so beautifully because it can be very confusing to people. Yeah. I know when I first started to explore thought work, the unfuck your brain podcast, she has completely Mm. taught me so much because I think at first I was like, okay, so you just have to tell yourself these things and then they'll change your thoughts. But it's like, no, no, no. It's quite literally just your thoughts. (laughs) That is exactly what you think you have the power to change. And that's a crazy concept to think, but it sounds so simple, Yeah, but it really is like you, you can control your thoughts because we've just developed them into beliefs after all of these years that we had to look a certain way and think a certain way. Or I totally resonated when you said I was so often in a room and I felt like I had to act a certain way based off of what they wanted from me. And oh my gosh, I just... Thank you so much for sharing all of that. And I know we want to dive in a little deeper here yeah, on some of it. the things. If you don't mind, AMQ, did you have something first based off of? I'm just sitting here like it, it, it's crazy to think that you're just to speak on the thought work stuff is I feel like when I have conversations with people sometimes and I did this, too, I'm guilty of this. Sometimes when you you think about affirmations, because I'm like, I'm a, all about the affirmation. Mm. The thing is, <sighs> affirmations don't work unless that's a true thought you have, right? Writing something on a post-it note and then just like reading it back to yourself, but you don't believe it doesn't work. It doesn't work if it's not a thought. You're quite literally just reading something off a piece of paper. And that's work I had to do too and realize, whoa, wait, 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 wait. Writing this in my journal every morning, it's not going to work if I just am writing it. It became habit. I wrote the same 10 things down and then I was an, on autopilot writing the same 10 things down. But I was like, do I believe this stuff? Is this a true thought? Or am I just running through a routine? So mm-hmm. thought work truly is super, super powerful. So thank you, honestly, for sharing that. But yes, yeah. let's dive in deeper. Insert splash noise. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you had kind of touched on this before when you were talking about how your family started commenting on your body. But aside from your family commenting on your body, when is there a time frame, maybe not necessarily a specific event that occurred, but when you started to become more aware of your body? Was it just a gradual? You know, it's um, it's such an interesting question for me because my whole life, I feel like I've always been hyper aware of my body. So for me, it started becoming more of... um, getting to a place where I was enjoying myself and doing just my everyday regular tasks without being so aware of my body. Um, because I was so entrenched in, like I was so consumed with how my body looked that even while I was, if I was sitting in my chair, I was like, okay, like, is my, is my back, do I have a back roll right now? Oh, if I sit this way, it'll make my stomach look a little bit, a little more like sucked in and like, I'll have a flatter tummy. And like, if I kind of arch my back, it kind of pushes my boot. Like I was just constantly. And then, and then that was every single thing I was doing. If I was walking in the mall, I'm like, oh, well, if I hold my back this certain way that it'll make my arm look good, it'll kind of hide my tummy a little bit. And it'll like, like, I mean, every activity, everything I was doing, I felt so hyper aware, which is part of what was so exhausting for me. I mean, it's, I was, and when I say I was consumed, I was consumed with it, with, I mean, my every thought was my body 
um, food, how I was being observed, how others were looking at my body, what they thought, what they thought when I was eating this or that, or wasn't eating this or that, or if I, how active I was like it just, so it became for me getting to a point where I wasn't so consumed with that, where I wasn't so hyper fixated on, uh, on my body and how it looked. And so that's really, for me, it was kind of the opposite of where it, it got to a point where I needed I needed to be less aware <laughs> of my yes. body. And wow. yeah, so that's for me, that's where it really was. And how difficult is that to do? Because you're not alone in feeling that way. Everything you just said was all of my same experience. Like it sounds so mm. mirrored to, I think yeah. a lot of women because we're living in a society where we are told that we are, should be hyper aware of what our bodies look right. like and constant comparison and feeling like you need to, like you said, maybe if I hide my stomach, maybe if my arm looks slimmer here in this angle and, or if I do that, how much time in our lives do we lose because we are so consumed in day to day, how you're yeah. thinking about your body? So, oh my gosh, I just, you're not yeah. alone in feeling that way for sure. It was, it was all, I, it was all I could think about. It was all, I was just, it was just all I could think about my, my brain literally couldn't think of anything else. Like that's just, and that's how, and it, and then it, it partly why I had felt like I had no identity because I was so, my identity was my appearance. My identity was my body and how it looked and how others perceived it. Um, and it just, you know, that's why you, in order to appear like you have, you know, they, like you start reflecting back to what you think others want to see in your personality. And it's just not, it's, it's never going to work. It's not, it's never going to end up well. And eventually it'll, it'll get to a point where it implodes on itself because it's not sustainable. It's so relatable. That's so relatable. Like even the read the room comment, that's something I, I made like a mental note to, to bring back mm -hmm. your, your comment about reading the room. I feel like that's so true. And I'm not just going to say when you're a woman, you know what, because everybody experiences yeah. this on some level and I'm learning this more and more. And, and Becca and I are learning this more and more by having more and more conversations. And it's really liberating to hear from men also who experience this stuff because mm -hmm. it's tough for them. You know, it's a little tougher for them as a space to bring it up. But I, mean, I think every, everyone experiences it in some sort of way, shape or form. Yeah. And when you read a room, it's so interesting, like to think when you go in to a room with your family, you're even reading the room for yeah. like how you're going to stand based on who's looking at you from what angle, like how that's just so mind boggling that we experience that, you know, and it's just, it's liberating hearing somebody come out the other side, but it's also just mind boggling and so upsetting that we even have to experience that in the first place. Yeah, absolutely. It is. So I know we touched a little bit on the society aspect and how we've just had this ingrained in our bodies and our minds. But if you could change the way women are portrayed in the media, how would you, what would be like the epitome of that? You know, I think it, I think it has to all come back to diversity and sharing more images than just a certain curated look of a very Eurocentric ideal body type that's, you know, and it's changed, you know, changes a little bit, like as decade to decade goes, like I was, like I said, I'm 35, I was born in 85. So I, you know, kind of grew up in the nineties there and nineties was very like a heroin chic. Like you were supposed to be um, very thin and just, you know, small boobs and just no, I mean, just kind of almost a boyish figure, just kind of straight up and down and thin. And that was considered beautiful and sexy. And I did not fit into that at all. Like I said, I'm a pretty muscular person. So, and just, I'm like, I'm five ten, So I'm also just, I'm just a bigger person. And I, I grew up that way. I think that's part of the reason too, that I was so hyper fixated on my appearance because I can remember as far back as first grade being aware of, of being bigger than everyone in my class, including the boys, because I was tall and, you know, girls hit that growth spurt. Sometimes, you know, boys don't hit it till later. Like in high school, I was the tallest kid in my class until I hit like sixth grade. So, and then, and on top of that, being a muscular, just athletic body type kiddo, I had these thick thighs and I had this little tummy and I had, I mean, I got my boobs in fifth grade. I was wearing a bra. Like I just didn't fit the mold. And, um, 
so anyways, all this to circle back to saying, you know, I feel like if, but I grew up watching these things. You grew up seeing the models that are the, that fit the type, the, the ideal body type at the time, all the movies that you're watching are, you know, and I'm, I'm a white woman. So I see my skin tone represented anywhere I look, I can see it. Um, but my body type is not being represented. And so I think just seeing that in the media of seeing of seeing all the skin tones, of seeing all the races and ethnicities and body sizes and types with roles and and skinny and and fat and everything in between. Um, I think just knowing that others exist in those bodies and lead happy lives that, you know, you see the women in the movies um, that are the lead characters are, again, they fit the ideal, you know, what's what diet culture has created as the ideal body type. They're, you know, the thin with the big boobs and the, the hair and they're, they're probably white in the movie and all of the, you know, all of those things. And the fat best friend is there for comedy relief and, um, they're always looking up to they're like, oh, your life is so perfect. If I, you know, you just, of course, you're going to have all these boyfriends and, you know, it's, and so I grew up thinking like, oh, that's me. I'm the, I'm the fat best friend. I'm not the thin, beautiful one. I'm funny. So I fit into that. That's, that was the mold that I fit. <laughs> I didn't fit the other mold. So I built myself to fit into that one. So it was just kind of that like supporting character. So I don't know, for me, if I had grown up seeing more diversity in all all of the things I think would be so powerful for, for everyone, men and women alike. Absolutely. I love that. I, I was like, are we going to get there? Is she going to say it? Like in all, in representing <laughs> all of the roles, because it's so yeah. true. Like the, um, the fat best friend that was funny. That was, I fed into that mold tremendously. And I think that that's so important too in the media is that like, let's have larger bodies be the love interest. Let's yeah. have, all of the different, and I like, I think we're kind of heading in the direction of, you know, mixed race relationships and love interests. Mm -hmm. I do. I love that you had touched on that, that like, let's have all shape, sizes, and colors be a representative in all of the roles. Cause you are not a supporting actress. That's <laughs> right. Are. Especially no. not in your own life. Like, no, no exactly. You are the main character in your own life and you should be spotlighted and represented yeah. that way. So you can almost like, I've, you know, I found myself even in my own life playing this, like supporting the supporting actress role where I was like, what does that even mean? <laughs> like what, you know, okay. I wasn't even the, I built myself up. Like I had this image of myself that, that was the supporting, that was the, that was the main character was the image that I wanted to be the goal that I had, which of course was based all on my looks was when I reach this, when I have, when I have the body that I'm supposed to have, then I'll be happy. And that will be when I have all of these things fall into place. I'll find love and I'll be happy with myself and I'll have the job and all, and everything will just fall into place. Right. Then I'll have supporting characters in my life. And and I played my own supporting role to my ideal that I had built in my head. Um, and it's, I mean, it's like literally insanity. <laughs> right, right mm -hmm. exactly. And when you see yourself as the supporting role, you become the supporter for everyone but yourself. Yes. So yeah. over time, you're bound to put yourself on the back burner in your life because that destination happiness of I'll get there when is not even a thing. Again, yeah. back to thought work. That is what you thought. You don't have to think that anymore. No. And what a liberating feeling or thought that even is yeah. of, oh my gosh. So that's called perfectionist thinking. Just to put a term to that is Ooh. I'll be happy when, um, I'll mm -hmm. feel better when, um, I'll start tomorrow. I'll start Monday. So that's perfectionist thinking. We get in our, in our heads about that. We can't start right now because it hasn't been the perfect day, right? I didn't start the day the way that I should have. So, um, maybe you mm. woke up, you know, late or you did whatever you did. You didn't have the morning routine that your ideal, you know, quote unquote person that you want to be had. And then maybe you went and stopped mm -hmm. and got donuts for breakfast. So already in your mind, your day is ruined, right? You're like, well, had donuts for breakfast. So I might as well have the cheeseburger for lunch and I'm going to have like, mm. just, pee, you know, like whatever, I'm just naming things, but you know, that yeah. you've already quote unquote ruined your day. So you're going to just do, you're like, well, I'll start tomorrow then. So that I, because mm. you want to start out as like this perfect day and it yeah. doesn't exist. And so in our minds, we, we want to 
And that's just, and that's a very human thing. I mean, all humans experience this. And, and I think women, unfortunately, tend to deal with it more because of, we have the diet culture thing kind of thrown in there where we, and that's that so much pertains to diet culture of like, well, all, cause I'm going to start my diet tomorrow. Right. It's all, and there's yeah, exactly. so many jokes about it. There's memes everywhere where mm-hmm. you're like, Oh, today was trash. I'll start tomorrow. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, and I used to laugh at those and now I don't think they're funny. <laughs> you know, now I'm just like, ah, you know, uh. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I've always been a big advocate of every day is a good day for a day one. And that's a lie. I haven't always been since been, since I have been on my own personal development journey, I, and I couldn't tell you when it was, but I remember flipping the script and being like, wait, because I did that exact thing. I did the, well, AMQ, you binged today. So today's not a good day for you to, you know, do X workout or whatever it was. Right. And I think that when you can start realizing that those things don't need to be attached to each other right? When you take the moral value away from food and you take the moral value away from the time that you woke up or how many pages of your book that you read and all these things, right? Of course we have standards for ourselves and I get that. But when you take the the moral value away from those and just let yourself be human, it's so liberating, right? You can start anything on a Wednesday. You can, you know. And in the middle of the day, if you want to. In the middle of the day. Yeah. Like just reset button on the middle of your day. How many times I know I do it. (laughs) I know, I know sometimes I'll be like voice noting Becca and like, whatever. She just tells me to figure my shit out, but that's why you need a friend like that. But it's like in, in, in the way that in a good way, like, in a like, okay, shut up. Like whatever you're being negative. Like, don't be like that. You know, like she, she gives me what I need to hear in that way. And that's important. Cause now it's getting to the point where like, sometimes I just don't even message Becca cause I know what she would say to me. You know what I mean? Love it. Like, I'm like, I, I know what she'll, I know the advice she'll give me. Like, well, just, I'm just going to, the thoughts that she will say, <laughs> I'm just going to have them myself. Yes. And yeah. that's super empowering. Right. And sometimes you do need the extra push. If it's a book, if it's a podcast, something, I'm grateful that yeah. I have somebody that I can like, it's like phone a friend. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've got girlfriends that I bounce things off of. Like I go to the different people that like, when I know I need to hear a certain thing, um, like sometimes yeah, I need exactly. the tough love. Sometimes I need the sympathy sometimes, you know, and sometimes I just know that it needs to come from myself. And so I'll put on, um, you know, I keep a running note in my, you know, notes on my phone of podcasts that I love. And so I write the podcast show and I read, put the episodes of, so, I mean, I have, it's huge now, but then I'll just go and throw on an, an episode of a podcast that's relating to what I feel like I'm going through at the time and, and just work it out. And, and sometimes that's what you gotta do. Love that. One question I really wanted to ask, it's a super simple one, but if you were to use one word, one word to describe your relationship with your body in this season, right now, what would it be? Mm. Evolving. Yes. Yes. Good one. Always evolving. Somebody asked me that question in a clubhouse room yesterday, and I said that word. Did you really shut up? No, you did not. I did. I'm so happy you said evolving. She was like, the girl, the moderator, was like mind blown. She was like, evolving. Wow. And I was like, oh, I didn't think that was like a crazy word. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't think I was going to get that reaction either, but... (laughs) Yeah, no, it's so good. It's so, I mean, especially because when you asked it, you asked like in this season, what it's like and in a time where it could go, like there's so many different directions and even by the hour you feel differently, that is evolving. That's trying to Mm -hmm. love that. Good one. Well, cause it's, I mean, you know, and I think, I think it's almost doing a disservice to ourselves for us to think of it as really being anything else because it's, it's such a fluid journey and it's never you know, it just is always, and, and even when you reach, you know, I feel like I'm in the best state of mind I've ever been in in my life in regards to just how I view myself, my life, my body, how I let others, per, you know, th- what I think about others perceiving me, all of those things. Um, and it's just, it's better than it's ever been, but there's always going to be days or moments that you're, that you go, that you have bad moments, you have bad days that you go back to that old thinking where the old thoughts creep in and you're like, Oh, but like, what if, you know? And so, but that's why it's important to have that solid foundation of, you know, when I started doing this work, I go back to, I go back to that in those moments. And that's what helps me through that. 
Well, you just segued beautifully to the next list. <laughs> <laughs> Which is what do you put? What strategy do you put into practice on those tougher mm. body image days? Oh yeah, that was a beautiful segue for me. <laughs> that's, that's for you. Um, yeah, so it's that. It's um, you know, it's when I. I think that's what's important about thought work is is having, uh, and I, I think it's also what's important. I will say about having a coach. I found tremendous value when I hired my own coaches. Um, coaches mm-hmm. need coaches every you know or mm-hmm. their you know whatever form you're going to take. But obviously, I'm talking about coaching, so I'll use that. Um, but coaches need coaches too. Like I'm not. I'm not ever above that. I will always hire somebody that's the step above where I'm at. Um, you know, that's, that's always going to be two or three steps ahead of me. And that's all you need to be. That's what's fascinating to me is that in order to help someone else, just being two or three steps ahead of that person so that you can talk about where you've been, because that's where they're at right now. And to help. So that's what I look for in a mentor and, and in a coach is I'm finding someone that is going to be just maybe not, light years ahead of where I'm at, because it can be, I think, difficult for, not difficult for them. I don't know, you're a professional, so you're able to do it. But I want, I personally, I want somebody that's maybe only a few steps ahead of me, um, because it just, I relate to that better. And so having that foundation of thought work that I started with, that's what I go back to when I'm having a moment or I'm having a day or a week or whatever, um, that I'm struggling and I go back to, and I'll, I'll, I'll do the work. I have, I have legitimate work where I'm writing down in my journals and I have a process that I go through. And if, and depending on how bad it is, like how far I feel like I've slipped in and let, um, you know, a thought come in where I'm like, ah, this is really doing a number on me right now. You know, it depends on how far I'm going, um, in the process. Sometimes all it needs, all I need is just a thought where I'm like, Nope, Mm -hmm. that's an old thought. I recognize that. I acknowledge it, but I release that. And I, here's the replacement thought that I have that I know that blah, blah, blah. And I'm able just to, um, go from there. And then sometimes I need to go back with pen and paper and I need to go back to the very basics and kind of go through that again. So, um, long story long, I think it's the big, I think it's the basics having, having the foundation that you're able to go back to, um, so that you don't get lost in, a bad moment or a bad day, um, you're able to go back to that. Mm-hmm. I think um, the replacement thought thing that you said mm-hmm. is very powerful. That's what I was trying to say when I was talking, mm-hmm. myself, but not articulating myself properly. Is <laughs> if I if I think something, and I'm like, it's like a WWBD. Like, what would Becca do? Yes. <laughs> like, or like, or what would Becca say? Like, okay, I'm cute. If I if I told Becca I was thinking this way, she would be upset at me for even letting myself get there. But not from not in a bad way, but because when you have these humans in your life who literally think you are all that and a bag of Doritos, as they should, because you <laughs> Doritos have specifically. Them, yeah. Yes. Doritos specific. I can't have those anymore because I'm vegan. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have some for you. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> what would Becca do? Have burritos. <laughs> but when you when you surround yourself with those people, it's so easy. I'm going to say easy. And you know what? It's weird to say easy and personal development journey in the same sentence. Yeah. But it's a heck of a lot easier to flip the script on yourself yeah. because you have these cheerleaders, these hype humans giving you the thoughts that you need sometimes to almost use them as like steps, you know, like every thought is a step in the direction that you want to be going. And I think that replacement thought, that's something that I've never really thought about it. Like, like if you think about it as a puzzle piece and you're like, I'm just gonna, just gonna slide this one in right here, Mm -hmm. you know, instead that's super, super powerful. Such a simple thought, but really, really powerful. So thanks for sharing that. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Especially how you said that you have like relationships with people that like depending on what you need in that moment, because, yeah, there's sometimes where you just need to be reminded of that replacement thought. And then there's also mm-hmm. times where you just need to be like, OK, I think I've been trying to do better at not necessarily being like, no, you're wrong for think or like I'm here to remind you that you're fucking fantastic. But also being <laughs> able to have that door open where like if you need someone to just sit in the shit with you. Like, I'll sit in the shit with you because yeah. I think that that's also equally healthy 
because of our mm-hmm. research on toxic positivity. I'm learning that quicker than I would have yeah. before. Um, totally. But yeah. So, and you know what? We've covered this a lot, but I'm, I pers- on a personal level, I am extremely enthralled in research on these topics. So I really wanted to ask you this because of your background in thought work. But I want to know when I say these three things, okay? okay. So body acceptance, body positivity, and body neutrality, just like my, my previous question, which term do you resonate the most with? in this season of your life and why specifically I want to know why why prove it (laughs) (laughs) prove it or it didn't happen (laughs) um gosh I think I've come to a so hard it's hard it's hard um because I, I, it, it kind of, it changes, they kind of ping back and forth and whatever, but I think I always have to come back to, and it's one of the biggest things that I teach. It's one of my favorite topics to teach on. So I think I'll have to say this, which is, um, body neutrality, because I'm a big fan of neutral period, like neutral thoughts. I, I talk a lot about neutral thoughts because it's a difficult, um, so just like thought work is everything. All of thought work is a simple in theory, but it is difficult to apply in life because we like to make things more complicated than they really are. And we think if something is simple, then it's not powerful. And that's absolutely not the case because so much of thought work is just, is so simple and it's repetition and it's, and it's, but so I'll get back to, so reason I think neutral is so, is so powerful is because it's, and I'll go back to the beginning where I was talking about, um, that body positivity was really confusing for me in the beginning. And I didn't understand mm-hmm. where I, where I fell in that category because I didn't feel positive about my body. And I didn't see how I could ever feel positive about my body. If I didn't look the way I thought that I should look and the image that I built up in my head and I didn't fit into diet culture. Um, and I think that's how a lot of people and women feel is that the, the leap, because we've spent years, um, years, telling ourselves these negative things that I'll be happy when, um, which is just you telling yourself, I'm not happy now because of the way that I look, um, or I I won't be happy until I reach this goal. So whichever, you know, goal it is, I won't be happy until I run that second marathon. I won't be happy until, and that's just you telling yourself. So you've spent years of this, right. And there is such a thing called neuroplasticity where it literally carves a pathway in your brain. And the more that you think something, the more ingrained in your brain it becomes. And so it can be really, really difficult to make the leap from negative all the way to positive, because like you had touched on earlier, AMQ, that if you don't believe your thoughts, it doesn't work. So you can't just go from um, telling yourself for years and having an embedded thought that is so, and oftentimes can be unconscious. You don't even know you're having it of, I hate my body. Let's just use that. I hate my body. I hate my tummy. My tummy. I've spent years telling myself, I hate my stomach. It's gross. It's flabby. There's rolls, there's stretch marks. It's not flat. I don't have abs. I hate it. I hate my tummy. Let's say that. And then to go from that all the way to my tummy is beautiful. I think my stomach is beautiful. Well, do you believe that? Because if you don't believe that, then it's never going to work. You're not going to get to a pause just because you say it, just because you think it doesn't mean that you believe that. And so it can be a much easier step. So in between negative to positive, there is neutral. And when you get to a place of uh, the neutral thought, I love teaching on neutral thoughts because you go from positive to a neutral thought. So you, and a neutral thought can almost be something that's also factual. So instead of going from, um, I hate my stomach, it's gross to, I think my stomach is beautiful. We go to a place of, I have a human stomach. I love this. My so life. You said that. I am shook. I am <laughs> shook. Specifically because you're talking about the tummy, which has always been my biggest oh, insecurity. I think it is so, for so many women. Yeah. But the fact that you just said that, I'm like, the light bulbs are blinking above my head. You can't even see that they're going off, but they are. <laughs> Keep going. Oh, <laughs> yes. So yeah, when you, when, and, and that, whether you want to accept it or not, you can believe that thought though, because you know, it's true. Um, and 
that is your first step to getting to positive. And I'm not saying that you're just going to think that once or twice, and then you're going to be like, oh, boom, now I'm all the way to, I love my tummy. I think it's beautiful. That just like everything else that we do, it takes time. It takes practice. um, It takes consistency. And then you'll be able to move once you've mastered, like, I'm not talking about like, let's just pit stop to neutral. Let's master that. Let's get to a point, to a place where we've mastered it. And, and I love breaking it down as opposed to, uh, that's why, you know, I've been, and one of my biggest insecurities is absolutely my stomach for, for years, even when I was thin and did have abs and had like nothing. And the rolls I had were just skin. They weren't fat. I didn't even have anything to roll. It was just skin, but I was embarrassed of it. I was ashamed of it. Um, just proving that it doesn't just because you lose the weight, just because you are thin. You know, if you think that there are thin women out there that don't hate their bodies, you're absolutely incorrect because it doesn't, it doesn't matter. That's just proof that it doesn't matter what your body looks like. It's all about how you perceive it, how you're thinking about it and how you relate to it in the world and how you're allowing others' perceptions affect how you're thinking about your body. So, you know, that's where I was for a long time. And when I got to a place of being able to be neutral, instead of just talking about my body as a whole, I started breaking it down into the different parts and starting with my most insecure and then working my way from there. And my tummy's always been one of my biggest insecurities. And as I gained weight, of course, it got bigger. I have the little belly overhang um, that I hated so much. Like, I mean, loathed it. Um, But I was able to get to a point where I... Uh, and neutral about it. And on days that I can't feel positive about it, I go back to neutral and, um, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. That doesn't mean that you're failing. doesn't mean you're doing anything wrong. That's just part of the journey. And that's why evolving is the, is, is such a great word for, for a body self love, personal development, anything journey, um, because it's fluid and it's going to go from one day to the next. So I am a huge believer in neutral thoughts. Um, and therefore body neutrality is something I teach on big time because I think it's the most important thing that we can get to before we can reach positive because also it gives you that tool. Um, even if you were a person, which I think would be fantastic. It's not that you have to stop at neutral, but I think it's just, it's so hard to get all the way to positive. And I said, if you don't believe it, you won't, you won't ever be able to actually change that thought. So, and actually in turn change your feelings. So, and then having that tool of being able to get back to neutral on a bad moment, on a bad day, on a bad week, whatever, that's powerful. Thank you so much for saying that. I, I'm on such a body neutrality journey. I like, I'm like how you felt when you were describing you, you couldn't get enough books and you couldn't get enough podcasts when you opened yourself up to your own personal development journey. That's, I literally feel like I'm in the sponge stage of learning about body neutrality. And then like, you know, the sponge is going to fill up pretty quickly and then I'll just become a sprinkler soon, but I'm still taking everything in and absorbing everything. And just like you said, I have a human tummy. Like I give my, my lower body a really hard time all the time. And I have started telling myself, AMQ, you've traveled to 40 countries with these legs. Mm-hmm. So pretty sure you're going to give them some love. You know, whenever I'm having, you know, I'm start, I start being mean to my legsies. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, listen, you have hiked some pretty crazy places. So enough of that. And it's so cool how all of a sudden I'm reinvigorated to continue that run or keep doing that leg workout because I said those not even positive, really just facts. Like you said, Mm -hmm. it's a fact this hiked up this mountain. Therefore you're awesome. You know, it's so, so powerful. We over, we are human beings and we overcomplicate literally everything. Imagine if we just established fact in the way that we thought about everything on a daily basis, I feel like so much would be solved. Right. Yeah. It's just fact. Such a huge part. I really love, I love, I really love neutral thoughts and I love, I love body neutrality. I think it's important uh, concepts to, to be a part of your arsenal of tools when you're going through your journey. Mm. Well, I, I'm going to go ahead and say that your why part of that, your prove it was pretty, pretty <laughs> fucking powerful. Did they so, prove it enough? <laughs> yeah. 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 You did. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I guess to round us out from this amazing conversation, I am so, I'm like, I'm like this, I'm like AMQ in my chair, just like trying to control my swivel. (laughs) Don't swivel too much. Your stiletto will fall. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) Listen, I'm only on one leg back here. (laughs) 
But what piece of advice would you like to leave the humans that listen to us? What's one piece of advice that you think is important? I think the most important thing to always remember is that, oh, and it sounds, oh, it sounds so cheesy when, when you say it out loud, but it's, that it's truly, it's truly within yourself. Everything that you want to accomplish that you want to be able to accomplish, you have the absolute power to make that happen. And, and it's all through your thoughts. And that's why it's within you because it's, it's your thoughts that you create. You have the power to change your thoughts, to create new thoughts, thoughts, to get rid of thoughts that don't serve you any longer. Um, and with that, you can literally do anything. I would say that's not cheesy at all. That's beautiful. (laughs) If it's chill, if that's cheesy, you are like the Gouda goodness of cheese. (laughs) (laughs) As you love cheese. Thank you so, so much for joining us. This has been such a pleasure and such a blessing to have you talk all of the things with us. So thank you so much. Pleasure's all mine. Seriously. And we will obviously give credit where credit is due and we will put, you know, Katie's Insta and everything on our show notes and give you all the love that you deserve. So if you guys want to connect with Katie and talk to her more about thought work, I'm going to go ahead and say you're probably going to be pretty excited to talk about the stuff you love to talk about. I would love so to. We will definitely give you all those creds. And if you listen to this episode and you loved what Katie had to say, we would love to hear from you. Obviously, we always say, you know, if you love our vibe, like, comment, review, share, subscribe. Same goes for when we have guests. You know, we want you to be giving you, giving our guests that love. Yes, definitely email us all of your thoughts on this episode and we would love to share them in our next and share them with Katie as they come in too. So email us at hello, hello with three O's at I got you boopod.com. All right, boo crew, make sure you join us next time. I got you, boo. Okay, thanks, love you, bye. Okay, thanks, love you, bye. <laughs>